You're listening to an Electrical Industries Charity podcast. Before we get started, it's important to let you know that we're going to be talking about complex issues which may be triggering, so we hope that you only listen if you feel that you're in the right headspace to do so. Please check the show notes for a more detailed description of this episode's content. These stories and this podcast are unique and personal to the people we're speaking with, and the views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily represent those of the Electrical Industries Charity. So, let's jump in. Thank you for joining us today, Steph, on our podcast series. Today we engage with the often missed and forgotten family members' experience of supporting someone with mental illness. Steph is the daughter of John, who speaks on episode three of our podcast series about his experience with mental illness. Today, we have asked Steph to join us in sharing some of the challenges, learnings, and changes that she experienced having to support her dad through his illness. Thanks for joining us today, Steph. How are you doing? Hello there. Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, yourself? Good, good. Yep. Wednesday, which is good. Hump day. (laughs) Yep. So going straight into the questions, um, the first one being, what would you say are the main challenges, fears, families experience when supporting a family member struggling with their mental health? And I know this is a big question, but if any thoughts or experiences come to mind, I think that would be really helpful for our audience. Yeah, um, this particular question I have paid some thought to. Um, and ultimately, I, I think I come back round to the same thought process, and it's 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 not a great thought process, if you will, but one of which I've become more comfortable with. So my initial initial thoughts or my initial fears are always about where we're going to end up, whether it be as a family or as an individual within that family, and I've considered on more than one occasion whether or not that the particular person that suffered would still be here now and thankfully we are all safe and well but there have been periods of time where that thought has gone through my head and I have considered what it would be like if that person was not here um, and as I say that's that's the worst thing that I, I think we've all struggled with that's been the biggest fear mm-hmm. and do you think there needs to be more awareness on what to do f- for families who are supporting people struggling with their mental health in terms of as you said like emergency crisis situations absolutely i really it, it's something i'm really trying to drive at the moment um within my professional career supporting people who are suffering and understanding the key indicators or the sort of moments where that emergency support might actually be required because ultimately I've never been through anything like this before I wouldn't wish it on anybody to be perfectly honest um, and you just don't know what to do I've at times remember daft o'clock at night picking up the phone and speaking with yourself because I didn't know who else to, to speak to I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I think in those circumstances as well, in, in some ways, unconsciously, you know what to do, but you just need that affirmation that that is the yeah. right decision. You yeah. just need to, to hear it from somebody else. Um, 
it's so so difficult and i think families experiences are so subjective as well mm-hmm. yeah i think you're right and i think that's a, a, as i've said earlier there it's a fear of saying or doing something wrong um, and not knowing how that person will react because their behavior or their thought process might not be one of the same yeah, I think you've raised such an important point there that it is about learning from the family perspective and every day is changeable and often volatile um, and figuring out what those boundaries are. You raised earlier about your current role and how you've really been pushing for raising awareness in terms of indicators as to if someone's struggling, you know, what are the stress indicators? How do you support that person? So this leads into the next question being, in terms of your working role, working for a bank, have and having been at the front line and supporting individuals in desperate financial hardship following COVID-19, how have you looked after yourself when juggling a stressful job and supporting a family member in distress? Because I get my motivation and my drive from helping others. So what I actually did in the first instance was reach out at work to offer a level of support to colleagues who were facing an issue that I'd been through in terms of a failing business, the level of debt within that business. So that that's where I went first. Um, so I shared an experience with a view of supporting colleagues to offer a better service initially, but also to support them in understanding how to deal with the situation whereby we're presented with severe financial hardship and the stress that comes with that and understanding the trigger points or keywords and knowing where to refer off to if you find yourself in those conversations. Do you think it's taken you time to identify when, okay, you're reaching pinnacle here, you know, in terms of stress, you're like, okay, now I, I actually need to take myself out of the situation. How have you, how have you identified when you feel like that? Has it taken some time to identify when you feel like that? Have you had to identify what triggers you to feel like that? Um, yes, it has. It's definitely taken a long time for me to understand that that's what was happening. Um, I have a tendency when I reach my capacity to become more aggressive um, in my approach to things. I become bullish, as I mentioned earlier, and it's not always or very rarely the right approach as I've learned. Um, and that would lead me to get to a point where everything is too much. I can't cope with so, some things that I would argue on a daily basis I, I can cope with without issue. I don't even think about it. I just get on with it. Um, but I recognise now if I'm feeling like that, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I need to take a step back and start again. And in terms of your uh, organisation, if you could make three changes in supporting employees with mental health issues, which you've discussed, and I know you have done a lot of work on this and want to make quite a few changes, um, what would you say the, the three changes would be? For me, the biggest one, the one at the top of the list, 
And I would argue, I would put it three times on said list, is listen. I don't think we do enough of it. Um, we are all fantastic at saying, hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks, how are you? Fine, right, next. And it just becomes a habit and we don't actually open up the conversation beyond that. Um, but equally as so, in terms of the work environment, allowing the colleague the opportunity to do that or having a platform to express themselves or somebody to turn to when it's difficult. Mm. So, I mean, you would have to have exercised a lot of patience with, you know, with your dad in terms of supporting him when he wasn't ready to engage because I'm sure you picked up on behavioural and mood changes there and were concerned. So how did you deal with that and having to say, actually, Steph, you know, I, I need to take a step back now and just give him his time? It's something I struggled with. I'll be quite quite honest about that. I did struggle with it and I probably still struggle with it now because for the 30 years that I've been here, my dad's never presented to me in that way that I can ever recall. Um, so it's it was a completely, almost as if there's a completely different person standing in front of me at times and... As I said, it's it's learning those new boundaries. Somebody saying to you, no, I'm not ready to have that conversation or I don't want to, not not forcing it. Um, but equally so, seeing my dad so vulnerable, that was difficult. Um, I can, I still struggle with that now if I sit and think about the times where I've seen him in tears or seen him getting upset about things. But it's recognising it and not, not pushing. As I said, I've, I've, I've pushed on more than one occasion and looking back now, it probably wasn't the right thing to do. And that's where I've sort of adopted the, um, the recognition that, okay, you don't want to talk about this now, but I am here for you. I'm wanting to help you. If you're not ready for that, then that's okay come and speak to me when you are but also following that up and I think that's probably one of my downfalls I don't always follow that up because I can see the behavioral change and I can see the improvement from the day before and sometimes make an assumption that oh okay everything must be okay but the reality is it's not and how do you think we can change that do you think that's just about as you sort of said just being more aware but also at this in the same breath having to look after ourselves as well so that we don't become consumed by it because it is emotionally exhausting and burdening as well when you know you are so worried about someone and you're trying to get them help and maybe they are or not engaging that can be really really challenging and also you're working or maybe have your own family so it's this somewhat of a juggling act yeah yeah it is um and it's it is incredibly difficult. Um, you have to have the ability to be able to switch off from it. And again, that's not something I would say I've had until very recently. Um, and it's not about ignoring something, but it's about looking after yourself and understanding when you can deal with it. Um, but at the same time, 
constantly revisiting the conversation um it's not to say my dad hasn't got support elsewhere he absolutely has and i'm sure he sounds off on with a lot of people and goes to different people for the advice um, and the support that he needs in that moment um but revisiting it and making sure in terms of our relationship that he has got everything he needs from Mm. me and vice Mm. versa so it's about as you say listening the communication open communication i think is really important just in terms of what would you say was the turning point for you in relation to actually saying to yourself okay i need to manage this better because you said that happened relatively recently this is the bit I'm not particularly good at. I very, I've, I've had this conversation with my boss on more than one occasion. I don't very often take stock of what has been, what is coming, what I've done, what I've achieved, etc. So this is these, this is where I'll struggle. What the turning point was, I honestly don't know, but I think it's probably recognizing that. I can't help somebody else if I'm not fit Mm -hmm. and I'm not well. And I think also I completely agree with you. And in addition, I think it's also about taking responsibility for your own care. You know, identifying that you're struggling and then the next step being, okay, I'm going to take responsibility for this. And how do I do that? And what actions do I have to make? It's difficult and it takes a hell of a lot of energy and commitment I think Um, in terms of families or individuals of families who are likely going to be listening to this this episode what would you say key things I mean you've touched on a lot of them um, but what would you say the key things are that they could do to help themselves if they're really just finding themselves stuck and struggling uh, and just not just not knowing which way to go. It's having the ability to speak to somebody, whether that's a friend, whether that's a family member, whether that's your GP or a medical professional in some capacity. It's it's having that first conversation um, and being open and honest with yourself. And I think those two things probably come with time. Um. But being open to the conversation is definitely the first step and the biggest step. Um, And being open to what that person you're speaking with has to say. I remember sitting with my GP. Admittedly, the first solution was medication and I've always avoided medication for me personally I, I've I felt strong enough at the time to be able to deal with it myself I just needed some tips on how to actually do that but I remember actually saying to him feeling lost feeling confused lost a lot of interest in everything that I used to enjoy um and he said to me do you have you spoken to anybody about that yes Mr Doctor I have and what have you told them that I'm not feeling a hundred percent why are you not feeling 100% and being open to that level of questioning because he said to me what you've actually done is given somebody a few crumbs and expected them to piece together everything and they can't do that 
I think your description there, and that that's certainly one I'm going to take because I think it's fantastic of going to the GP and how you said that he had responded saying, listen, you've given me crumbs and you wanted me to put the story together, you know, piece the biscuit together, if you if you would. Um, and I think that's a, f- a fantastic way of describing it. Uh, I think you have to be willing to be open and be honest about how, how you're feeling and if you're suffering. And Steph, just in terms of the EIC and how we've supported your family, if you can provide any sort of commentary on that and in relation to other industry members who may be listening who are considering getting support or unsure of contacting us for support. Yeah, my words probably would do it justice. But initially, I will admit, we didn't know that you existed. And I, I don't know... I don't know how you changed that, but we were, in fact, I don't even recall how we were introduced to you, to be perfectly honest, but from start to finish, I do know every interaction that we've had with you is remarkable. The level of support that you offer, your signpost, relevant different support packages, uh, and more than anything, in terms of my dad i would argue you are one of the reasons that he is still here in terms of what maybe needs to change in relation to support for families what do you think a few things that come to mind because of we always we always think about the person suffering but i think as i mentioned in my introduction often the family members are forgotten because in most cases in most cases they're the primary caregivers you know they're the ones who are there 24 hours you know experiencing it trying to support trying to de-escalate situations what do you think needs to change in terms of maybe community support or how could support maybe be improved or awareness improved for family members you probably better suited than me but I do believe there should be more sessions to be able to attend within the community I still think mental health albeit not as bad as it used to be in terms of it being a taboo subject but I do still think a lot of people shy away from it and until you get to the point or certainly in my experience until we got to the point where okay you're not coping now I'm not coping we're not we weren't aware of anything or anybody to be able to turn to so all of the community platforms that run in the area across the country i do believe there should be a higher focus on mental health and supporting somebody with mental health and understanding the triggers i, I can't imagine that's incredibly difficult because I, I from experience no no two people will present in the same way um but Having, having a platform for people to just drop in, if that's the case, and somebody there to speak to. And whilst I understand go to the GP, they're referring off to um, certain providers whose name I can't recall um, in, in my particular area, but where are they before you get to the point of needing to speak to the GP? 
you don't see them, you don't hear hear them. Um, and I think a lot more can be done to publicise those particular um, services without the stigma attached to it. Thanks so much, Steph. That's, that's all from me. Um, thank you for joining me today to discuss, I mean, really sensitive experiences and to share your insight and guidance on how families can better support their family members in need, but also really importantly, how to support ourselves. And I think you raised some really key aspects that we need to consider. And I definitely think a lot of people listening will take a lot from this episode in terms of also just lingering thoughts as well, because I think we, we touched on quite a bit. Um, so thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and coming on. And yeah, it's been lovely to get to know you. No, thank you very much. Um, please, I could help. And if you ever need any support with anything, please let me know. Thanks, Steph. Appreciate it. If you or somebody else working in the electrical or energy industries is in need of support, or you wish to donate to the electrical industries charity, please get in touch via email at support at electricalcharity.org or you can call us on 0800 652 1618.